Good morning. I'm Frank Kaufman, president of the Settlement Project. I'm very happy to welcome to the program this evening Mr. Doug Burton to discuss his Epoch Times article entitled Pentagon Criticized for Wrong Priorities Amid uh, China Threat. Doug Burton is an award-winning reporter living near Washington, D.C. Doug put in years as an editor of magazines published by the Washington Times Corporation before heading to the Middle East as a special hire for the U.S. Department of State during the United States occupation of Iraq. Today, he is respected as an investigative reporter on terrorism in Nigeria, the Iraq War, and on Central Asia. His reportage has appeared in the Epoch Times, U.S. News and World Report, the Colorado Springs Gazette, the Washington Times, Washington Examiner, and Washington Free Beacon. Currently, he is reporting on terrorism in Nigeria for the Epoch Times, and America's complex stew of political controversies for Chronicles, a magazine of American culture published by the Charlemagne Institute. His most recent product is the politicization of the United States military. Please join me to welcome to the program this evening, Mr. Douglas Burton. All right, this is wonderful. Uh, Doug Burton, are you with us? Yes, I'm very happy to be with you, Frank. Thank you very much. We've known each other. We've had a lot of conversations over time, but you've, I recently stumbled across a major article of yours, which made a strong impression on me. And so I've asked for a little time with you to go through the content and maybe you can help me think through the matters that are giving me a lot of concern. So the name of the article is Pentagon Criticized for Wrong Priorities Amid China Threat. That's the headline of it. Of course, there's a subwriting also. And this appeared on March 16th, which was, oh, and it has been updated since. So what day of the week was that? It was just this past week. When, Wednesday. Wednesday was the first appearance of the article. And, Correct. Um, and so this is with Epoch, and I wanted to just get a quick update on your twists and turns career-wise. I think you're writing for, for two major places right now or more. Can you say a word about where you're writing and where your efforts are in the moment? Yeah, uh, thank you, Frank. Sure. I, I am an independent writer. I chiefly write now for two publications, the Epoch Times. This was my fourth, this is my third article for the Epoch Times. And uh, I'm also contributing to a conservative magazine called Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. Uh, in recent months or in the last year, I contributed to a news service, a web-based news service called Zanger News, as well as to the Washington Times, the Washington Examiner, and a few other thought journals. Very good, thanks. So Chronicles, Chronicles, that's the whole name of it, or is it associated with an institution or? Yeah, uh, it's the name of the magazine is Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. And yeah. it's, it's uh, a well-known conservative magazines that was previously published by the Rockford uh, Foundation, 
and was acquired by the Charlemagne Institute in 2019. The Charlemagne right. Institute is a conservative uh, think tank based in the, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Very good. And, um, and I learned from you in private conversation that this particular article, you said this is only your third article, but it was the, it was the, the big headline of the day above the fold. And it was the, the first thing you saw if you opened the paper that day. Yeah, that's right. I was really honored. Uh, the, this was the lead story, top of the fold. It was the idea of the editor, Stephen Gregory. He had contacted me about week, a week earlier. He had uh, a lead or a news tip and a source, and he asked me to take it on. So I did interviews, and this is what we came up with. Excellent. Excellent. So there's a few names we're going to come across when talking about the piece. One is, of course, jo Joe Biden's most recently appointed Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. He's a major figure in the story. And then there are two, there's Michael Waltz, who's the uh, Republican, he says, is a representative of Congress or Congressman, yeah? Yes. Very good. And then, uh, and then later on, Boykin. Now, what is the military title he is? Uh, well, the, Jerry Boykin is a retired general. Uh, he was Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence under uh, George W. Bush. Uh, General Boykin was uh, is a much decorated combat arms military officer. I'm not sure of, of his rank, whether he was a two star or three star general. He was involved in several major operations, including the uh, the uh, failed attempt to uh, collect U.S. embassy hostages in 1980. You know, after the yeah. Iran hostage crisis, he was involved in uh, rescuing hostages from Entebbe. I think that's uh, Sudan or Somalia, and with the Black Hawk Down rescue in Somalia. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge military student, or I'm, but the name Boykin is almost a household name. I recognized it immediately, and I'm glad to have the background on him. He'll come up in a moment or two when we discuss what you've written on. And Michael Waltz is a is a first time first uh, first term. He's a new congressperson or is he he's he a, a veteran in the he's in, a second term congressman okay so second term congressman from the florida sixth district which is uh midway down you know in uh, florida and he's currently still serving them in the military he's a green beret and he is uh at the rank of colonel and serves in the maryland national guard very good i see okay all right excellent because uh, so we have we have Austin we have Austin carrying out directions to well there was a February fifth a February fifth directive all military leadership was given sixty days in which to hold a leadership stand down to address extremism in the force oh no that's the twenty sixth that's the February twenty sixth one so the original one February fifth came out and this was called what. Actually, it's confusing because both memos have the the word stand down to address extremism, but the second memo on February 26th is called the framework. So it's the instruction memo telling how to implement or giving further guidance on how to implement the stand down. Got it. Got it. Because when I read your piece, I did, I did go to the, the military issue PDFs 
that were sent around uh, just to try to familiarize myself. So the, the February 5th is kind of telling these guys, telling the military leadership, schedule some point or another in the next 60 days to hold a they're, they're, Yeah, they're going to have, they're going to have instruction sessions at all the US forts and installations in all branches of the US military. And I'm told by uh, military guys that a stand down is not so unusual. They, this is an order that's given to examine a problem or a malfunction in the system somewhere. It could be defective aircraft, too many crashes. It could be a, a chink in the military organization of some kind. So this is a extensive review of the problem of people in the uniform having extremist views and getting involved in extremist organizations. And of course, this is a military order, probably one of the first orders that Defense Secretary Austin gave after getting confirmed by the US Senate. He comes into office and the first thing he does is say, we're, go we're going to examine the whole force to see where the extremists are. Yes. That was for job one. And then, and then at the end of this little one or half, one and a half page, it says, stay tuned. We're going to send you the details on what we expect in this stand down. And that was the February 26th document, which was the framework, which had right. all. And so is this the type of thing that the Secretary of Defense would generate on his own? Is he instructed or guided to do this type of thing? Or it's something that where, where does that start? Did it, is it directed from the uh, Commander-in-Chief or is it something the Secretary of Defense can generate as part of his own or her own understanding? Well, I think he is authorized to, to issue a stand down on any topic he thinks worthy. I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where the idea came from, but we know that the stand down order came exactly one month after the massive demonstrations in Washington you know, called the Save America rally that the president organized. And then there was the breach of the U.S. Capitol that was termed later an insurrection, not on the day of, but as the narrative was built by the progressive left, they started to call the unauthorized walk-in into the Capitol, they, they called it an insurrection. In spite of the fact that none of the people who came into the Capitol that day had weapons, they didn't hurt anybody. The only person who was shot with a weapon was a innocent, was a protester, Leslie Babbitt, and she was killed by an unidentified Capitol Hill policeman. Yes. Uh, there were five people who were killed who died that day. Three of them died from strokes or heart attacks. One man, uh, Officer uh, Sitnik, died of a stroke the day after the break-in. It's not clear why he had a stroke, but he was definitely not hurt with a fire extinguisher, as was falsely claimed by the New York Times a few days after he died. Yes, that's that's correct. And so ordinarily, if it, if it were merely a concern for ex, for extremism per se, this would be this might be a legitimate concern. For example, in your article, you identify two occasions in which extremists did cause death inside of military on, on US soil. Isn't that correct? Go ahead, Doug. Yeah, well, the, the framework order of February 26th is supposed to help answer the question, who are the extremists? 
probably many military officers were reacting to the first order and saying, well, why don't you define what an extremist is, for heaven's sakes? I mean, who do you mean? Now, they, they figured probably that the memo was aimed at the Trump supporters who went into the Capitol, but it just didn't spell that out. Mm-hmm. So the framework order says, gives four examples of per, un, impermissible or dangerous behavior. The four examples are three servicemen who tried to join a uh, neo-Nazi group, like one serviceman, he wanted to be a temporary soldier with the Ukrainian army fighting the Russian troops in East Ukraine. And the unit he wanted to join had associations with some neo-Nazi group. So that was an example. Then the other, the fourth example was a white supremacist guy who was building a bomb somewhere. Now, those are the four examples. Now, in, in terms of who are the real threats, the FBI has a most wanted list with 26 names on it. 24 of those names are Islamic terrorists, 24 out of 26. There are two other names. One's a communist bomb maker, and the other is an environmentalist terrorist. There is nobody on the 26 names of most wanted who are proud boys or uh, oath keepers or you know, right-wing people, supposedly. No Nazis, no white supremacists on the list. Yeah. So that, that is why many people in the military are looking at this framework order and, and they are taking it a double take and they're, exactly. they're asking what's, what gives. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So as I was middle of that question, technically, if a secretary of defense is concerned with the extremism, I was, I was asking you about, there were two prior cases in which soldiers were shot by soldiers, correct? Both of them had ties to jihadist terrorism, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. That's uh, first case was the awful tragedy in 2009 with the Arab medical doctor, uh, Dr. Uh, Nidal Hassan, who killed Mm. 13 soldiers at Fort Hood. Mm. And then the second case was very recent on January 19th, who was a cavalry scout at Fort Stewart, Georgia, for colluding with an ISIS operative to do harm to U.S. personnel in the Middle East. So in the entire recent history, there has been two evidences of extremist plotting or designs to commit harm inside of U.S. military operations. The only two, in fact, that have had any, one was thwarted, one was a profound tragedy, and both of these are tied, one is to ISIS, one is to Islamist. He was he was a known, actually, uh, cell activist, I believe, this doctor in Fort Hood. And so here, suddenly you have a framework for a stand down that has, that lists only conservative or right-wing or neo-Nazi or white supremacist examples in rooting out, quote-unquote, extremism in the military. When we spoke privately, Doug, this was, this was how I expressed myself. If, if Nancy Pelosi wants to impeach President Trump within 10 hours after the breach, okay, that's fine with me. That's her job. She hates the man. If she can pull it off, if she gets the votes, that's just the ugliness of politics. Have at it. Good luck. I wish you failure, but that's what you do. You hate it. You're a politician. You hate somebody. So she tried to impeach him. Okay. Google tech which is a known enemy of conservative voice, 
Facebook tech, known enemy of conservative voice, Twitter, Dorsey, the worst of them all. Okay, they immediately censor, censor all information on the breach and establish a unified narrative that this was the greatest threat that ever happened to the United States government. Anyone other than just kind of dumb spoon-fed consumers of CNN and ABC. Everyone knows this is political theater. It's a political game. It's a uh, coordinated pursuit of power. Good enough. But when I read your article, my worry was that you're destroying the United States Army with this. It's, it's It's different for these kind of pampered Congress people to play their games at our expense. Okay, but when when you destroy the United States Army, it's it's a really serious and irreparable type of action. This is what concerned me. And I don't know if you can help me with either modifying my worry or telling me I'm right or wrong, but I'm sorry to talk too long. It's your interview. But I, if I walked into an office and said somebody's stealing stealing uh, paper or stealing pencils, you, you immediately destroy morale. You, you immediately create no productivity on your small little office team. You'll hurt recruitment. Nobody will want to work there. And something as serious as the United States Army can't afford to have no morale, to have people spying on each other, ratting on each other, looking. Uh, can you help me with this? No, well, you're right, Frank. The, the, the military code and their culture, you know, for 180 years has been that it is an honor and a duty to serve, to defend the people of the United States and to serve the president, who is the commander in chief, regardless of which party he comes from. So former Marines have told me they served in the Middle East during uh, you know, the Gulf invasion, the Persian Gulf War one, you know, uh, Desert Storm one. Yeah. They may not have supported President H.W. Bush, but they were proud to serve and and gave their full effort to serve in that war. Soldiers yeah. who served in the 1990s, some of them didn't like President Clinton, but their oath was to serve to defend the United States, regardless of who the president was. Right. So the concern is that the military is being politicized and soldiers will be turning against each other. I've talked to one active duty officer who spoke on background only. He said, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm going to stay in the service. He's in the reserves. I'm not sure I'm going to stay if I am putting my life on the line when I'm called up overseas. And yet the loyalty from the president or his administration is not coming back to me. So they don't have my back. That's the concern. uh, General Boykin himself said this action hurts morale. It will hurt recruitment and hurt retention. Yes. This, here's, what you, here's what you wrote as a quote. It's from the framework. If you observe a co-worker exhibiting concerning behaviors, you have a responsibility to report it through the chain of command or supervision or to your local security manager. And here's the kick, and or directly to the insider threat program office. Who on earth can imagine serving in such an environment, even if you were just working at a gas station or a Dunkin' Donuts. And these are the people who have to stand together with bullets flying. I'm very concerned and very pained over this. This is like Soviet Russia to me. It's like children ratting on their parents and parents getting hauled away by the state. How can, how can this happen so immediately 
And, and these are military, like Mr. Austin, uh, he's a military, he's a general, right? He's, he's, uh, he's been appointed as the Secretary of Defense. Isn't something like that obvious about military culture? How, how can this happen in a single uh, stroke? Well, we live in an unusual time frame. So I, I think it's, it could be an effort by people in the administration who realize that their time in office might be cut short uh, after the elections of 2022 mm. and want to do as much as possible in two years to disempower their opponents in any branch of the U.S. government. So this is a, an effort at the Department of Defense, which is probably the most or one of the most powerful agencies of government. This is an effort of the far left wing social progressives in the Democratic Party to root out their opponents who might oppose them in a nomination process. They want to get people out who might run for office someday. And, you know, by the way, this kind of feature, this kind of order from the top allows people to make a spurious accusation in secret against a colleague. Yeah. Which we can remove from them their secret classification. Yeah. Without their top secret classification, they can't get advancement. This in effective, effectively could stop the ladder of advancement for officers who want to get to the senior ranks. It could also hurt officers who are rising in the ranks of non-commissioned officers. It, it could poison the careers of, well, hundreds of people. Right, I guess I've hit, I've, I've hit my limit. To, to me, I can understand raw political ambition, I get it, but I would think that anybody doesn't want their country vulnerable, doesn't want young men, 18, 19 year old men kind of living in, in a, a swamp of distrust when they're the people who are gonna be on the, the battlefield. I don't know what more can be said. I don't know what more can be said, but it's troubling to extreme degrees for me, especially when perpetrated by a military veteran uh, like the Secretary of Defense now, the last question, Doug, if maybe outside, outside of the realm of your expertise, because you're just faithfully doing a fantastic piece of journalism with a lot of, you got a lot of good interviews there and, and, and knowledgeable people speaking on the matter. But is there anything a mere citizen can do at, at, under such circumstances? It's not electoral politics, it's, it's inside the military. It's, you, is there a word you got for us there, or is that really asking too much for a person who's just faithfully done some solid reporting here? Well, Frank, there's plenty that citizens can do to register their dissent and their horror at this kind of attempt to purge the ranks of patriotic citizens who just happen to be members of the party that they're their fellow, their colleagues don't like. Boykin said, point at, you know, blank, he, he said outright, this is simply an effort to punish the Trump supporters. Yeah. It is a logical operation. He called it a PSYOP. Yeah. And it's aimed at demonizing the Trump supporters. Well, yeah, that's what many people believe. And citizens can get engaged by contacting their representatives in Congress both congressmen and senators, and they can raise their voices on social media 
and they can call in on radio talk shows and they can certainly create a buzz of disenchantment that will be heard by elected representatives. And many people are doing exactly that. As Congressman Walt said, look, it's certainly a good idea to get deranged extremists out of our ranks, but let's be fair about it. If, yeah. we're, if we're going to get the white supremacists out and the neo-Nazis, let's, let's have a fair examination of all the extremist ideologies, including the anarchist, the Antifa, the communist, and other kinds of groups. Doug, this has been great. And I really appreciate also the practical advice at the conclusion here. I know you're going to keep writing and I know we'll try to have you on every time we need to examine some of the turns. We're just at the start and already this is uh, kind of stuff happening. But thank you very much for being with us for such a long time. We'll be back again with us soon. Huh? Thanks for having me, Frank.